Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Henry Castillo of The Henry Castillo Show. I want to thank WMNF Radio Station 88.5 for allowing The Henry Castillo Show in their studio. Today's guest is Millie Puentes. Millie, how are you? Good, Henry. Thank you for inviting me to your your show, and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. I want to let our fans a little bit about you. Uh, Millie Puentes, we will be speaking on her career as a musician in the Spanish culture. Uh, Millie Puentes is also is an, a Latin jazz singer and cousin of the late Tito Puentes. At the age of 23, Millie earned a Grammy nomination for her first album, Tito Puentes Presents Millie P. That's correct. Wow, such a young age. How cool yeah, is that? It was pretty cool because being that it was my first album mm-hmm. uh, nominated for a Grammy, I didn't, you know, sometimes, you know, um, it takes like about five or six albums to to be nominated. Okay. So being the first one and having Tito uh, direct the album, and Sergio George, you know Sergio George. Yes. Um, he's he's a producer uh, from New York, and Tito was the director. So um, being that it was uh, the first album to me, it was exciting. It's it was I, really exciting. I find that so crazy because at 23 years old, most people are like partying or you know going to school you're mm-hmm. you're being nominated that's yes. that's amazing it was amazing it was beautiful because uh, after that my my career took off incredibly yes non-stop traveling the whole world yeah did you ever expect to be nominated for any of those no it was for uh, a grammy no mm-hmm. I, I really didn't you know i mean it was like a surprise uh, he gave me a call at the time i lived in miami and he gave me a call and he says you know you're nominated and uh, that's that's what's happening right now and i said Wait a minute, repeat that back again to me, Tito. Wow. <laughs> you know, he called me from New York, and I said, Tito, come on, don't play with me. You know, I mean, it's, it's only my first album, you know. Correct. And he said, well, you've been nominated for the first, you know, you know, being your first album. Yes. You're nominated. Um, so that's that's what's, you know, that's why I didn't expect it, because, you know, you get nominated, like, maybe for the first, second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. Even you know. fifth, exactly. Yeah, but being nominated uh, for the first album, it was, it was, it was amazing. That's why I didn't expect it. Correct. That's amazing. But of course, you know, we had Tito in the album. <laughs> we had the best, you yeah. know, uh, the famous backup Tito. singers, you know, Sergio George. Correct. And the best musicians in uh, New York. Because, you know, when I recorded the album, it was in New York. So wow. we had the, the, the cream of the cream. So you album. definitely had help in your album. You didn't do it all on your own. Yeah, well, um, the singing was on my own. Correct. Uh, but um, I had Tito, mm-hmm. you know, which is... a Great backup, you know, Tito's <laughs> Tito. So, and then Sergio George, which yeah. is, you know, Sergio George. I don't know if, if we're talking about jazz or salsa. Sergio George is a very interesting uh, produ- producer. Um, he's produced for Mark Anthony. He's produced for India. He's, pro- he's India. produced for, um, I don't know if you heard about the album Numero 100. I have. The album Numero 100, he was involved as well when Tito was alive, you know, because it comes in past. Yes. So really, I had the, I had the greatest. I I had the greatest. Cool, cool. So, when you when you started your first album, right? How mm-hmm. how long was the process for you to write it? The mm-hmm. whole recording, mm-hmm. the marketing. How long was that process? Well, to start from the beginning, um, I started choosing, selecting the songs, mm-hmm. getting different composers, and uh, kind of analyzing the songs because I was very very picky when it came to song because at that time. Um, este, la balada salsa, it was mm-hmm. like really happening at that time. So I had to select the songs that were ballads and kind of, I just kind of like had to think, okay, how can I see myself singing this in salsa? Mm-hmm. So I didn't have nobody around me to tell me, okay, here's the club. So thank God, you know, 
my talent was there to kind of figure out what am I going to do? Okay, let me let me sing it in, in, in salsa. So there was different composers from New York, composers from Puerto Rico, and a composer from Miami. And I guess, you know, I had good, 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 good songs, you know, uh, piled up that I wanted to, that I, I can identify myself with them. Correct. With the songs, now, know? what nationality are you? Well, I'm from New York. Okay. My yeah, I can hear the from, accent, New York. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from New York, from the Bronx. And um, I... Um, I was raised in Puerto Rico. My parents are from Puerto Rico, from Ponce. Oh, Ponce, okay. Ponce, Puerto Rico. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I actually been to Puerto Rico, the island. Beautiful. I'm Dominican. Yeah. Um, I went to San Juan, and from San Juan, I mm-hmm. drove to actually Aguadilla. Yeah. Beautiful island. I love it. The culture, they accepted us so well. I was I was so surprised how beautiful the island is. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love the mountains, you know. Correct. It's, it's, I don't know, there's something about Puerto Rico that's so different. You know, I traveled the whole world, Henry. Have you? Nice. Yeah, and I've, I've traveled all the Latin, you know. Uh, I mean, everybody has a beautiful culture, you know. Correct. But it's like something about Puerto Rico that that really is amazing, those mountains, then mm-hmm. the water, the sea. Mm-hmm. I mean, you the can, oceans. The oceans is so different, and the food is awesome as well. You know? Oh, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. because I know salsa is big in the Puerto Rican mm-hmm. and the Cuban culture, yes. so I'm pretty sure it was like second nature for you when you were getting into that music world. Is that correct with the salsa, or, um, or was it new to you? Actually, it was, well, it wasn't new to me. Uh, when I lived in New York, when I was a little girl, we used to listen to uh, Tito Puente, you know, and uh, I don't know if you remember La Lupe. I have, yes, I remember. I used to listen to her, you know. Nice. So I used to listen to that in my house in New York, you know. And my parents, they used to listen to a lot of music. And not only that, Henry, I used to to visit a lot of theaters, El Teatro de Puerto Rico in Nueva York. So I I grew up, you know, listening to music, Mm -hmm. but not thinking that I was going to be singing salsa because I was was more more or less like a ballad singer. Okay. But when... uh, when when I you know when I started taking off with my career with Tito, Tito told me, listen, you you know, you might uh, leave the the ballad on the side for now mm-hmm. and get into the salsa. And I'm like, what? I love ballad. What do you mean, Millie? You can do that later, but right now I want you to sing salsa. And don't worry, I'm going to train you. And I'm like, okay, I have an idea how it goes and everything. You know, because my family used to listen Correct. to it in New York. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So it was pretty interesting when I started singing salsa. <laughs> I had to know the I had to know the clave. But but the incredible thing about it is that I was I you know when I was ten years old I was playing already, las congas, mm-hmm. la percusión, you know. So I had more or less you know an idea how the clave mm-hmm. went, you know. Yeah, absolutely. No la clave atravesar, pero la clave en tiempo. <laughs> but you were also playing the, los timbales. Is that correct too? Um, it's weird because no. Oh, so you weren't playing the no, timbales. No, I wasn't playing the timbales. He's the one that I'm um, watching him, and it's just such a beautiful experience because um, I, you know, I came in as a singer, as a Latin mm-hmm. jazz singer, and as a salsa singer. Because Tito um, had a salsa band, okay, which was component. It, it had like about fifteen musicians, and then he had the Latin jazz, which was about ten musicians. But I mean, it was amazing. Yes. So you know, I traveled the world uh, singing with him Latin jazz, and then some salsa, and then. All of a sudden, he calls me up to play the timbales, and, and I was like, what are you doing? You know, why are you calling me up for timbales? You know, I don't know how to play timbales. <laughs> yes. But, of course, I was a drummer when I was a little girl. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I was playing the drums, so I guess that helped a little bit. Not timbales, drums, it's drums, drums, and timbales, timbales, Correct, you know? correct. So, um... Did you learn how to play the drums on your own, or did Dito motivate you no, also? it that? was on my own, because uh, we moved to Puerto Rico, from New York to Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. We lost contact with Tito, and Tito was traveling the whole world, but my mom... Mom was such a beautiful it's a beautiful mom she's alive of course you know bless her absolutely and um 
you know, uh, trying to find Tito was not easy because I grew up to be a woman then, you know, yes. teenager. So um, we were looking for him, searching, searching, searching. Mm-hmm. We found him. And I found him when he was playing at the Coachman uh, Park in Clearwater. Okay. That's where I found him. And he had no idea because, you know, he left. He was he left. He knew me when I was a little girl. Put it that way. So you way. haven't seen him since you since were young. Then. Wow. Since, yeah. So, so did he remember you? No. Wow. No, I was watching him perform. But, you know, it's como dicen, you know, la, la sangre llama. Correct. And when he was performing, I don't know if he was flirting with me or what, but <laughs> <laughs> he was staring at me and I was like staring at him because he was playing timbale. Yes. Um, right now, I can't remember. I'd possibly take five, you know, yes. take five, you know, <laughs> rank and can, oye como va. But he was just staring at me and I was just, you know, you know, because it's free to go there. You know, you go mm-hmm. there, you bring a chair and I was running late. Mm-hmm. It was traffic. It was desperate because, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, trying to get there, you know, trying to go through the Clearwater Bridge, everything, you know. So um, I finally got there in his last two. I thought I was going to miss him, but I just, you know, I just got there. I didn't have a seat. I just went on my knees and just started watching him, you know, because he's Correct. such an amazing musician, you know, and, and performer. So um, when I saw him, you know, I kind of stared at him. He's staring at me and I was staring at him and I'm I'm just wondering is he just staring at me because of the blood, you know, or is he just staring at me because he's flirting with me? Okay. <laughs> but I I think so. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Either way. So um, he was done. It was okay. his last tune, and uh, I went backstage, you know, um, and I spoke to his right hand. He used to call uh, Jimmy Frisaura was his right hand. I'm so f- amazed how you remember all these names still. That's oh, so man, cool. Was, it's amazing. It's just It was just a beautiful, you know, experience in that Correct. time of my life. So, you know, anyway, so his right hand came out, you know, somebody brought him, you know, to me and I said, hey, I'm Tito Puentes Nis, la, 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 blah, blah, blah. And he says, really? And I, he asked me my name and I said, my name is Millie. You know, he says, okay, let me ask him, see if he, he wants to yeah. come out yes. or if he wants you to come in. Correct. And so he went back to Tito and, and Tito said, oh, you know, I have a lot of cousins and a lot of nieces and stuff. Is she pretty? <laughs> That's what he asked. <laughs> yes. He said to Jimmy Frisaura, which was his right hand, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jimmy said, yeah, and okay, bring her in. (laughs) So when I came in, he started asking me, he says, wait a minute. He says, you're Orlando's um, daughter? And I said, yes. And he says, oh, my God. So he hugged me and everything, you know. So he remembered your father. He remembered my father and everything. And um, so right away, I (laughs) it's just funny, I, I handle him a tape. Back then, it was a yes. tape, you know. Yeah, yeah. Here, listen to me, you know. This is me singing, <laughs> Good you know. Old tapes. I was interested in singing in this band, you know. And uh, never did I know that it was going to be salsa. Never did I know it was going to be Latin jazz as well. So he says, all right, you know, I'll listen to it when I have time. And I'm like, okay. I was like, oh, man, he's cool when he has time. But, of course, you know, I was a yes. little bit naive. So I said, okay, when he has time, good. So we talked for a little while, and everything mm-hmm. was cool. So we exchanged numbers and everything, Correct. you know. And so he called me, like, um, no lie. He called you? Six months after. Wow. I was like, I guess he forgot all about me. You know, he thought I was just somebody saying that I was his family. So maybe he thought I was... Correct. (laughs) Were you in shock when he called you? You were like, this is Tito? (laughs) No. At that time, I was studying uh, 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 to be a a hairstylist. Okay. And um, I came home, phone rang, and when he says... um, May I speak, you know, with his voice, may I yes. speak to, t- to Millie? And I said, this is Millie speaking. And he goes, hey, Millie, hi, this is Tito Puente. Mm-hmm. I just, I went, what? Oh, my God, this is Tito. I said, hey, Tito, how you doing, you know? He says, hey, I'm just calling you. I heard your, I heard your song. 
how about if we go on a tour? I said, tour? With Tito Puentes. With Tito, Tito, are you sure? <laughs> I'm so sure, you know, I heard your, your, your tape, you know, I heard your voice and I love your voice, you know. I think we can we can do something. So it took about a couple of months to get ready, you know, okay. and take off and, you know, say, Mommy, I got to go. But he came to my mom. He came and came to pick me up and spoke to my mom and told my mom, listen, I'm taking her. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, she's in good hands. And my mom said, you better you better make sure she's in good hands. And how old are you at that time? Well, um... Or roughly around what age? Oh, like about 19, something like wow, that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. At 19 years old. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, that's like a dream come true mm-hmm. right there. <laughs> and then amazing because I hadn't recorded yet. So yeah. it was like a training. It was pretty interesting because uh, I'm singing salsa all of a sudden. And, and it was weird because I remember my first gig. Yes. At the Fairmont, Fairmont Hotel in, in California. California. Oh, it, I, can't rem- I can't believe I remember that. Have you ever been to California? Or was that your first no, time? No, that was my first time. Wow. And he told me, listen, I want you to learn a song from Celia. Celia Cruz. The famous Celia Bambolea, Cruz. Celia, the famous. And Ooh, she, he wanted me to learn Bambolea. And the next day I was supposed to perform. So not giving me too much time to learn it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was enjoying all the luxury in the hotel. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yay. But then I said, ooh, this is this is more serious than what I thought. Correct. <laughs> I said, you're giving me only one day, just the next day, you know. Ooh. So he says, it's, it's short. You can do this. The song is not long. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. So, you know, so I did good. I, I uh, sang the song. And it happened to me that Pete Scavito was there. And wow. uh, I sang the song, and then Pete Scavito and Tito asked me to go up and play timbales. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. How can I do this? You know, yes. I mean, they asked me, I'm, this is too overwhelmed for yes. me, you know. <laughs> but yeah, and I watching them, you know, and making mistakes, of course, you know. Correct, it happens. <laughs> you know, playing the timbales. But anyway, I did really pretty good in the performance and the singing. Correct. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm in, you know. But when it came to timbales, you know, he let me only play the little team, the timbalitos, you mm-hmm. know, with the timbalitos. It's just Correct. when he came out on stage, he always had the timbales, and then he had the other set, which is called the timbalitos, and that's how I play nowadays because of you know because of the uh, training you know with him. So at that time, you know, well, that's when I said, well, that's when my career t- started taking off and everything. That's and, amazing. You know, gaining the experience that I yeah. needed. So, quick question. I know you sang Celia Cruz's song. Yeah. She is La Reina de la Salsa. Yes, she is, yeah. Did you ever have the opportunity to meet mm-hmm. Celia? Yes, I did, yeah. You did? Yeah, we ate breakfast. No <laughs> way, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, we talked. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she was like the Michael Jordan. Her name <laughs> just know, went beyond. Like, yeah, yeah. And she was she was surprised that I was singing her song, you know. Really? <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Tito, when he did the arrangement, well, he had the arrangement. He had his, her arrangement, but he had to... Mm-hmm. You know, you had to ask her permission. Does that work that way or um, no? No, not really. You not know, really. Okay. As long as I don't, rec- you know, I didn't record it. Okay. I was good. But when she saw me sing it, she was like, when her eyes, you know, were open because I took it at a higher pitch. Did so, you? <laughs> so you know, Tito yes. wanted me to do that. So I'm like, what are you doing to me? You know, you're making me sing something with. I don't understand. At the beginning, I didn't yes. understand. You know, because I'm, I'm thinking I can go high on my ballads, but singing high, he says. That's the thing. You got to sing salsa and you got to, you know, if you could go high, as high as you can, high pitch, then you're going to be, wow, it's going to be different, you know? Correct. Okay. So I started doing that and yes, I started traveling the whole world. We just went all over mm-hmm. the world. That's amazing. You know, I just can't say, you know, all the places we went. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to go into that. But <laughs> I know you said you um, you had breakfast with Celia Cruz, yes, right? Yes, I did. How was yeah. that experience? It was pretty cool. 
I it, was like, I can't believe I'm. It, is next it to everything that. like TV? Is she? Is she? Is, does she have a great heart? How was her personality? Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you really wanted me to tell you? Um, well, <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> I don't want to be... Uh, well, she was quiet. She was, she was quiet. She was very quiet. Okay. Um, very little talkative, you know. Okay. That's what I can say. Um, yeah, yeah. So but I, 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 but I think about this mm-hmm. industry, people think, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in front of the camera and mm-hmm. then off the camera, I think we're all different mm-hmm. people, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's positive or negative, we're just mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. I think that's what people need to understand. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it yes, doesn't yes. mean she was a bad person. No, no, she, no, no, she, no, 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 You know, yes. she seems like she had a great she heart. She's very quiet. Correct. She, she had a great heart and everything. I just, because, you know, she didn't know me that well. Okay. Yeah, and I can and see I'm, that. And I'm, I'm a new artist coming out. Yes. And I'm singing her song in a higher pitch than she was. <laughs> She's probably like, oh, this young girl over Uh-oh. here. Uh-oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. But, you know, she was Celia. Celia was Celia, Celia you know. Cruz. And, and of course, yes, she understood that it was, you know, the new era, the new singers coming out. Correct. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, she probably mm-hmm. already had it because she's been, she's been singing since, like, what, the 60s, 70s? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, she was, she was really, she was a workaholic. She was tired, yes. you know. Yeah. Here I come, you know, fresh, you know, oh, rested, you know, yes. <laughs> smiling, <laughs> smiling, laughing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And she's like, oh. So, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, she yeah. was just not very talkative. But Yeah, no worries. She talked a lot with Tito, though. Yeah, I can Remember, imagine. It's they, Tito. Yeah, and <laughs> they had, you know, they just, you know, her repertoire was big. So, mm-hmm. I mean, these, these musicians, you know, they read music. You know, they were not just, you know, ear by ear. Correct. So, I'm sure that she had a lot of, you know... Yeah, so you you have because of Tito, which is your family member, mm-hmm. um, you did have the opportunity to meet other also oh, yes. big artists. Oh yes, big time. Yeah. Who 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 would you say was your favorite artist to meet? Um, they were all they were all my favorite. They all were your all favorite. Good. They were all different talents. You know, Tito Nieves was. I really had a lot in common with Tito. You know, Tito mm-hmm. Nieves. He was very nice, very sweet, very mm-hmm. very talkative. You know. Right. Um, when I went to Colombia, you know, and I was kind of like jet, jet lag. And then <laughs> the, the heights, you know, it was high over there yeah. in Colombia. And he was knocked on my room and said, hey, I have an aspirin or Tylenol for you. So I thought that was sweet. Yeah. The other ones were like, they were really nice. You know, I just, you know, Tony mm-hmm. Vega. Tony Vega. Tony Vega. Sweet, yeah. Nice. So you sang in different parts of the world, right? Yes, I did. On on different stages. Yeah. Was it different in each country? Like the vibe, the music? Was was it different yes, it or was, was it all this? Okay. It was different. Okay. Um, and how so? Well, Colombia was, you know, Colombia loves salsa. So you yes. can see that the... The audience were like, ah, you know, they just love your music. They appreciate your music. But not only Colombia, you know, Japan. So you also went to Japan. Yes, Japan, I went to Japan. They, they really? I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, my God. That's they were so new. grateful. They bring you they bring you little presents, you know, yes. and <laughs> kind of re- recorders, you know, like yeah. they, they never had here. <laughs> Electronic <laughs> stuff is over there. They're really cool, you know. Yeah. So they, were, they, were, they love it. Remember, there's a, there's a salsa band. Correct. That. The Japanese, you know, and they yes. went to see me really perform and, and play timbales. And there's timbaleros over there, too. So let me ask you, because mm-hmm. it's salsa. You know, you come from uh, Puerto mm-hmm. Rican salsa. Yes. It's Puerto Rican salsa, Colombian salsa. Are they the same? Is it a different tone? I know, but I want mm-hmm. our audience to kind of see. Is it different? Is it the same? Um, hmm, good question. Yes. You got me there, man. I never <laughs> asked that question. Really? Salsa I- from Puerto Rico is like, ah, uh, more tropical. Yeah. And there is a different salsa in New York. It's more hip. Yes. You know, like say the salsa from Puerto Rico is with no drums. Okay. The salsa from New York, you have a drummer and you have a timbalero. 
So it gives it that kick drum, you that, know, that makes it more like like that style. That's oh, right. I, I love that. That was that <laughs> yes. was my style in my album. Yes, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's that, really cool. That's really it's cool. different. So it, yes, there is a difference. Yeah, and the reason I mm-hmm. asked that because I've been mm-hmm. seen with the dancing, like you know, you got mm-hmm. Puerto Rican salsa, mm-hmm. Cuban salsa, mm-hmm. even Colombian, mm-hmm. and there's there's a different flow to the dance. Does does that make sense? Yeah, there's a different flow. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh-huh. why I was asking that, the, even the tone and music different, mm-hmm. but you know, you explained it yeah. in the, the perfect way. Well, the Colombians, you know what, for some reason, I, I've been, I admire the Colombian salsa. It's kind of like really swing. It's good. It's okay. good. Um, it's really not much different, but I know that there's a different swing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they're going to dance different. Correct. <laughs> you know, Puerto Ricans, they, they mostly know how to, sound, how to, how to dance salsa. Yes. Salsa con masacote, you know. Yeah. So, but of course, remember you got the salsa balada and you got the salsa salsa, the yeah. classic salsa. Classic. You know? And so those are two different things, you know. Yeah, there's also mm-hmm. a saying, you mm-hmm. know, the salsa came from Puerto Rico, from mm-hmm. Cuba, but we'll save that for another interview. Oh God, That's another I know, thing. I know, I know. <laughs> and maybe I'll bring my timbales then, and I yeah. can play some. Oh, we're Latin definitely jazz. gonna have that. I know. It's always been like I see Cuba, I see you know. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah, know? there's always I mean, that Cubans big debate. Cubans are very creative when Correct. it comes to salsa. Correct. It's different. They come up with some different things, like Puerto Rico. They come mm-hmm. up, with, you know. I, I admire both. Correct. I don't see no, no, you know. Yes. No problem with that, you know. Correct. I, I think learning about music. different cultures is a beautiful yeah, thing yeah. in general. It is. You know? mm-hmm. So, so Millie, because um, I know I want to hear you sing. Can we hear at least give our audience one song at least, whether it's in English, Spanish? <laughs> can we get even half a song? Anything? We love to hear that beautiful I'll voice. Just sing a little piece because I didn't bring, you know, <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, I, I, you know, when I do my performance out there, you know, I normally select uh, Celia Cruz's song, like, Kukala, mm-hmm. Kukala, 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 que ya sale, Kukala, 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 que se hace, Kukala, y Kukala, that's Kukala. And, um, and Oye Miso, Oye Miso, Sio, Pong. That was my favorite because uh, yes. Tito did, um, that was uh, La Lupe. Well, La Henry, Lupe. you wasn't even born. Probably would not. Your mom might remember La Lupe. She might. <laughs> <laughs> Pero, I mean, I mean, La Lupe was like like a Michael Jackson, you know, like uh, Whitney Houston. Oh, really? Actually, a Whitney Houston at that time. Wow. So Spanish. she must have been really good. What? Yes. <laughs> yes, she was good, you know. Yeah, she was so ella cantaba una canción. Oye, mi socio, ponte a gozar. Ta, na, 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 ta, ta. Oye, mi socio, ponte a gozar. Ta, na, na. Después no diga que no te invité. But she was like, you know, and wow. it was so funny because mm-hmm. I remember when uh, I started with Tito, you know, I asked about La Lupe, you know, because, yes. you know, La Lupe was still, was still alive. Uh-huh. Um, she passed away, que descanse en paz. And uh, I asked him, you know, um, Tito, let me ask you a question because, you know, I've heard of La Lupe, but what do you think about La Lupe? You know, oh, she was a great singer, mm-hmm. but um, she was always out of key. I said, what? Yeah. Yeah, but people were used to that and people didn't mind. When you say that, what are you referring to? So I don't know. She was like, not on key. She was like, you know, como mm-hmm. desafina. Really? Okay. Pero la gente le gustaba a ella. A mí, yo sí. no me daba cuenta. I was little, you know, sí, at the sí. time, you know. Yes. But, but she was just popular. She was good. I mean, she was a show woman. She was just a natural, basically. Oh, man, she was natural. She was show. I mean, she used to, you know, how, I don't know if you know about La Lupe. She used to pull her hair. No, I didn't know that. And, Actually, you know, yes. <laughs> I mean, she was like, según tu punto de vista. She used to really dramatic, you know. Yes. Yo soy la mala. 
Wow. It was like, wow, you know, <laughs> la mala. Yes. But she was like amazing. So she really played she the projected. role. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's. She played the role really good, you know. And I admire her. You know, I really liked it, La Lupe, a mm-hmm. lot. Even when I was little, I just thought she was amazing. You really? Know? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's so cool being able to meet so many big mm-hmm. artists in your life mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't have that opportunity. And for you to have that, I mean, there's you can't even express that, you know? Yeah, I was There's blessed. no price for that. No, 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 no. It's not price. Then you yeah, guys. but how was your childhood? Was your childhood, did you start off like that, you know, with just famous people? Did you have a rough childhood? Was it a decent childhood? Oh, no, it was a beautiful childhood. Okay. My parents got married. They left Puerto Rico, moved to New York, went to school to New York, and it was beautiful. Back then in New York, in the Bronx, you know, the snow. Yes. Um, but we used to list the house. Good old, my mom good old Bronx before see, I go see. any further. <laughs> good old Bronx, you know. And in and, and mi casa, in my house, they used to listen to a lot of salsa mm-hmm. and all the family, the cousins and everything of my mom, you know, they were there dancing, you yeah. know. And I remember seeing a video when I was dancing, right, you know, dancing with my mom, you Correct. know, salsa and everything. So my, chi- my childhood was awesome. I can't complain. Nice. Um, but I was singing Rafael. You know Rafael Cantante? Yes, I have. I was singing his song, you know. And um, I was a, I was attracted to his voice because being a tenor, he was amazing. Um, he can just go high, and he was just dramatic. He also knew how to send that message when he sang. So yes, I'm like that. I was like I'm still like that. So <laughs> I used I used to listen to him a lot. So I, I grew up in a musical, you know, um, ambient, you know, okay. ambiente musical. Absolutely. So, so it's in your blood. Si ya estaba en mi sangre. No estaba tocando ningún instrumento, no instrument yet. Okay. Um, that's that's until really I went cool. to Puerto Rico. You know, I have to mm-hmm. say, I'm going to make a comment and ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I love old school salsa. It's just the beat, the flow. Yes. What do you think of salsa from, you know, your generation, before your generation to today's generation of salsa? Is it the same? What do you think of that? I think that the salsa, the classic, the old salsa, it was, it's better. It's not, I can't say it's better, but it was, it was different. Yes. It's different. Of course, you have more musicians, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you had Hector Lavoe. Yes. <laughs> you know, Celia Cruz and all those people. That, yes. You know, like I said, yeah, it was different. I like the la, mm-hmm. la old salsa. The old I school agree. salsa. The old school salsa. There we go. I really liked it. Do you, um, you know, coming from my culture, the Dominican mm-hmm. culture, we yes. play merengue, mm-hmm. bachata. Did you, do you ever enjoy that style of music? I, I, I don't enjoy too much merengue, but I love bachata. Do you? <laughs> because I guess because I don't know how to dance it. Okay. And maybe because, I mean, I don't mind it. I mm-hmm. sing it, you know, when I was when singing at the restaurant here in, uh, in Tam- um, Tampa, Western Chapel. Okay, I was there for almost a year, and I sang everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I love bachata, and I'm praying that maybe someday I'll come up with. Uh, I'm working on something, you know. Nice. Some really, really interesting bachata. Um, she's a composer from uh, from Orlando, and trust me that it's. I can hear a song. I can hear a song when it's going to be a hit. So I feel yeah. that, you know, I just got to go to Santo Domingo, which I haven't been. Ooh, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> I traveled the world, but I haven't been in to Santo Domingo. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Okay. So, um, Millie, I want to ask you. We're going to close this soon. What message do you give anyone who wants to join the music industry, whether it's uh, singing, playing instruments, dancing? What, what message do you want to provide? What motivational? Um, go for it. No, no matter if you're a female, um, or, you know, whatever, you just got to, you know, you, it's good that you study, you know, it's good that you study music, you know, and get a good vocalist teacher, you know, like I am. I'm a vocalist teacher. There you go. <laughs> uh-huh. I give, you know, private lessons, you know. Um, so I think, you you know, just study music, you know, and, and pursue what you really love. If you're passionate about music, do it. 
Yes. And one more thing, I know before we close, um, you are working on this uh, program called The Priceless uh, Journey. Is that yes, correct? Before, yes. Tell us a little bit about that before we actually mm-hmm. close off the show. Uh, it's human trafficking. Wow. Um, kids, you know, human trafficking, you know? Yes. And um, they call me and I say, yes. I say, yes, I'm, I'll be there. I'll, I can. I sang first and then now they call me back, so I'm going to be playing timbales there. Wow. It's a great cause to fight. Yeah. Uh, so. Please support Millie Puentes in that. I want to thank our audience for watching our show. Uh, make your comments below. We want to definitely hear your feedback. Again, Millie Puentes, the big famous artist. She's great. Subscribe to our channel. I also want to close this show by saying stay positive because if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. from Saturday Night Shutdown. And you're now listening to the Urban Cafe channel. WMNF Tampa. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Henry Castillo of the Henry Castillo Show. Big shout out to WMNF radio station for allowing the Henry Castillo to be in their studio. 88.5. Today's guest is Kanisha Heath, the writer and director of the movie called Beyond Adversity. Great film. Before we dive deep into the questions, let's watch a small clip. Oh, hello, Dr. Jimmy. How was group today? Oh, productive. I feel part of the group. Have you been able to sleep more? Uh, couple hours on and off. Night terrors, sweats. Are you ready to start? Mm, okay. Lie back. Take a couple deep breaths and relax. And tell me all about it. Start at the beginning. I wake up in a bed. 
but it's not mine. I'm in a girl's room. I don't recognize it. Is anyone with you? No, 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 no not now. There's just something's not right. Something don't feel right. I, I, I can't pinpoint the cause. So I reach for my, my sidearm. God damn shit M9, I can't find it. I, but I find my K-bar. We're, we're taking fire, but I'm not hit. I duck and I close my eyes. It's okay, Jimmy. You're in a safe place. Open your eyes and tell me what you see. I'm in an old ops. I, I can still hear bullets firing. Fire team's not taking fire. I want to move. I, I gotta move. But I'm under strict command. Stand down. I, I gotta. I need to do something. I gotta. But no one's listening to me. Kanisha, first of all, I just want to say it says AKA Kiki. Is that correct? Yes. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so I have to say, I love the film. I love the clip. Um, before we dive in deep into the questions, what were some of your hobbies? What were you into when you were growing up in high school, middle school? I was a part of the news crew when I was in middle school. And when I got to high school, I had to wait till my sophomore year, but I was actually part of the news crew there, which is where I got my first taste of making and creating film and video. And so I would make little tiny commercials, including a little Power Ranger skit that I had done. And it was a lot of fun. And when I got to college, I was able to actually apply my love of creation to what I was building there. And my first film, which actually included the actress from my first feature film, was um, Snakes in the Grass. And that one dealt with the homelessness situation. And so I did a lot of research on that. And that's kind of where I've always decided to like keep the root of my material in real life situations nice nice so you were into the tv news before you got into the film world correct okay what what's the bit what's the difference between those worlds creativity creativity <laughs> <laughs> so so which area has more creativity film has a lot more creativity tv news unfortunately was really bound by what people wanted to hear so you couldn't always choose something different because if everybody else wanted to hear a specific story you had to share that story Okay. So do you consider yourself to be a creative person? I do. Really? Now, is that something you grew as you got older or is that since you were just born? Like, okay, I have a big imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I always thought I was a creative person, but I was recently looking at some old report cards from when I was like a child. Okay. And I always got like zeros on like the innovativeness. 
but everything else was like great. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know where I dropped the ball with my creativity, but I did win a lot of rewards for like my writing as a kid. So really, mm-hmm. wow, that's pretty good. I, you know, I always felt like you know creativity is like singing. You're either born with creativity or you have a good voice. You know, do you, do you agree on that or no? I mean, I sing, so I'm gonna have to say yes. I agree. With so that. you also <laughs> sing. Okay, so we're gonna have to test that out before the show ends. <laughs> All right, Kiki, so I did have the opportunity to attend the premiere of your film, right? And this film, which has a great message, it's on mental illness. Do you think in today's world, mental illness is considered a taboo? I would like to say that no, it's not. But I would think that that's actually really current for like the current year that we're in. In the last year, television, the media has all been more up to date with what's going on with our mental health. And that's evident in the topics and television shows that exist. It's evident in series that have been created, Love in the Time of Corona, Modern Love from Amazon Prime. Um, There's a few other shows that are out there that actually handle topics that really relate to it, plus the Olympics that we had where we talked about Simone and we talked about Naomi. And there's all these topics where this is now more common and there's a little bit more respect given to like the women and others who have shared about mental health issues. That's true. You know, I feel like compared to back then, you know, I grew up in a very traditional Spanish culture, right? And it, it was very rare to speak about your emotions or seeing it, seeking a therapist. Um, today, it's so normal now. It, what, do you, what do you feel on that? It's interesting because I know that when I was a child, I actually felt like I suffered through a lot of depression as a kid. And that's a lot of it. It's because being in the military or being a military brat, you have you know, your families are either traveling or your friends are the ones traveling. So you don't always have that consistency. So it's easy to fall into like this depression loop. And so there wasn't really a conversation that you could have about it back then. You were just kind of sad. And as I got into college, it was more like, oh, you feel sad? You can go talk to somebody about that. Like there's a place you can go. And I didn't connect the two dots right away that my feelings that I had back when I was a kid and my feelings that I was having as an adult were the same. And I could have sought the same kind of help or assistance at the time. Because it was more like counselors for your education, but not counselors for like your health, your mental health. The stress that you put on yourself wasn't always thought of as the same. Yeah. So what kind of mental health or um, did you suffer and, and how did you overcome those boundaries? Ooh, depression? <laughs> That's a tough one because I think that a lot of times I had to find what made me happy. And when I was going through depression, it was easy to lose sight of what made me happy because at the time it might have been like I sought happiness in others, right? Which you can't do. Like you have to be happy with yourself. So I learned to figure out what makes me happy for myself. So right now I live alone, which is kind of scary to say out there. (laughs) But I live alone. I used to live with my brothers. But now my routine has been more about self-care for even for even at home by myself. Like I'd make sure I do all my own chores. Like I'm taking care of everything I do in my own living space. And all of those routines are for me to maintain my mental health. Because if I don't do that, being alone is kind of scary still. And I don't want to have to suffer anymore. Absolutely. Do you still consider yourself going through mental um, like illness or sometimes or no? I don't think depression is ever something that really goes away. I think it's something like that, that your body can physically just adapt to depending on the elements that are, you're experiencing in your life. Absolutely. And I agree. I, I don't think it ever goes away. And I think society considers this as like, you know, well, it's okay. You can just get over this. But it's not like that. It's a lifelong experience. And I think the older we get or the more we we teach ourselves, the better we can manage it by doing things that make us happy. 
you know, but what makes you happy might be something different that makes me happy. Does that make sense? It does. So I think we have to seek that journey into seeing what brings us joy and surround ourselves, uh, uh, surround ourselves around positive people. Um, does that ever help you surrounding yourself around positive people? <laughs> it does. I actually, it's funny because I learned that I had a very specific hobby. I'm a really big board gamer. And so like I found a local game shop that's like a few minutes from my home and I go there constantly. Like I used to, when I was really depressed, I'd go there five days a week. Now I'm more like one to two days a week. But it was something I did to get myself out of the house, encourage myself to be around people because I don't always like to be around people because it can be an energy draining thing. Absolutely. And it helped me at least achieve like the momentum I needed to reboot my life. No, I appreciate it. Now, you know, we're going to move a little bit away from this. Now we're going to go into the movie, Beyond Adversity. Wow, what a great film. Um, now from what I hear, and you also told me, <laughs> uh, you are the writer and you directed the film. Is that correct? Correct. And how was that process? It was strenuous. <laughs> I didn't know if I could ever write a feature film. This was my first finished feature that I'd written. And I remember um, talking to one of my best friends from college and asking him, like, I don't like I really have this idea, but I don't know how to finish it. And he was like, well, just do what you're good at. And I was really good at writing shorts when I was in college. Like short films. Like short films. OK. So I wrote six short films. Wow. <laughs> so give a little bit of explanation, because sometimes people don't know what are short films. How long are short films? About 10 to 15 minutes. So okay. Usually about 15 to 20 pages, roughly. Okay. And so that's where I started writing them in college, was like the short films, and I would create like a really great arc in just 20, you know, 20 pages. Sometimes even less. Compared to a regular movie, it might take two hours, right? Correct. That's the difference. And a typical movie is about 60 to 120 pages. Okay. So it's usually a page a minute, right? Correct. It sounds like it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's really cool. So, so now this time, instead of making short films, this is your actual not short film. Correct. And, uh, oh my God, how long, how, long, how long did it take you to actually just write? Three film. three days after I knew what my short stories were in the film. So because it's an anthropology, I treated it like I was writing six short films. And then I went and checked into a hotel for three days. By yourself. By myself. <laughs> and I had sticky notes and a pen and I had my computer. Mm -hmm. And I took the wall and I put all my story arcs on the wall. And I put my characters, my substitute characters, any situations I wanted them to experience. And I mapped out the whole script that way. And then I filled in all the gaps with where they linked. So if I had a relationship with Jimmy and I wanted to have him have a relationship with Faith, then I made sure that I mapped them out on my wall so I could create any kind of dialogue or storytelling to kind of tie them together. Wow. So it really took you three days. To uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. Give or take. What about the editing process? Did you edit it yourself? Did you have someone edit the film? I actually, I did have someone edit the film. The okay. editing process technically took over two three years three because years. we filmed in 2018 but we didn't finish the editing until 2021 however i didn't actually find an editor till 2020 so wow. the film itself kind of sat on a shelf but the editor actually was able to knock it out in less than three months wow okay so it was a long process basically from start to finish mm -hmm. which is i mean I, I can imagine the day you 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 actually said cut how happy you were after that <laughs> long process Yes. Oh, wow. So, uh, Kiki, how many storylines were in this film? I think this is the fascinating part in this. I have six storylines in the film that okay. deal with different mental health issues. 
Six storylines. Okay. And each storyline has a different mental illness story. Is mm-hmm. that correct? So do you what are they? If you want, you know, give our audience a little bit of explanation what they are. Do you know them? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we have um, the story of our alcoholic. We have the story of divorce. We have the story of PTSD. We have the story of cancer. We have the story of sexual abuse. And then I have a kind of twisted storyline where it's about a man's position in a relationship where his his partner wants to have an abortion. Wow. So it's very different points of views in life. Which one do you find to you the most impactful (laughs) this is this is dangerous territory (laughs) (laughs) even though they're all you know very impactful but which one did you relate to the most so the story of cancer um i think didn't necessarily relate to me the most but like i just recently lost um two wonderful women in my life from cancer one being my grandmother and one being a mentor from college and i wrote that officially like the short version of the story right after the loss of the second person and it was most you know connected to me because there was some elements of like how I felt in relationships with like friends where you kind of felt like you had those conversations Mm -hmm. plus like the cancer element of losing someone and having that powerless feeling of knowing that you really can't control your health and your body is betraying you and just having the conversations that I had with my grandma regarding how she was dealing with it that one probably tied to me the most um, the other one probably would be the one of divorce, but I kind of wrote that from a child's perspective, so it's a little bit different. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing, that, you know, different points of views. And I, I feel like anybody can relate to one of those storylines uh, in particular to that. Now, I did see the film. I remember, wow, those were great actors. Wow. Can, can we give a shout out to them? Or They, they were phenomenal. Can't yes. lie. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. <laughs> they were. They definitely deserve an Oscar, how good they were. Um so in regards to that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they would love to hear that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> great actors, great actors. Um, what kind of cameras did you use during the film? We actually rented the red equipment from a equipment lodge in New York City. Oh, really? So this was not filmed because we're in Florida. You did not film in Florida. No, we didn't film in Florida. So, so it was in New York. It, it was in upstate New York. I was still living in Florida at the time, but my executive producer was in upstate New York. So I did all the planning and orchestrating from Florida and then got and recruited all of our actors and crew, flew our actors to upstate New York and our crew drove from New York City. So let's clarify this. You flew them to New York. Yes. At your own expense. At my executive producer's expense, yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. But still, I mean, you, in order to do that, you must have believed in your crew. Am I right? Because, you know, not everybody has that big budget of millions of dollars to spend in a movie. Unless you did spend millions of dollars, but yes. No, we didn't spend millions. So It was actually interesting. It was it was probably more of a leap of faith than exactly. a huge belief because I didn't know anyone that I was working with on my crew except for the executive producer. Really? That's correct. So the actors, and again, they were wonderful. You didn't know any of them besides probably seeing small clips of them. Correct. The only actress I knew about was the one who played Carly because she was in my very first short film. Other than that, I hadn't worked with any of the other actors before Mm -hmm. and I hadn't worked with any of the crew before. And so we recruited crew. I had a friend recommend a producer and she had the best connection with most of the crew. Wow. That's how it is. Sometimes you just got to take a leap of faith, guys, (laughs) (laughs) and do what you love. 
exactly. So, um, Kiki, do you um, what what did you learn from making this film out of life? Ooh, I learned a lot. <laughs> there we go. That's what we want to hear. Uh, you talk, you know, you were talking about depression. Like, I think this film probably spiraled me into one for a couple of years because I think that I lost sight and focus of what was important to me. And working on this project taught me that first off, no matter who your relationships are with somebody, always have a contract. <laughs> oh, okay. Always have a contract. Um, if I could write a book about contracts, I could probably fill those pages. That's the next movie, contracts. <laughs> <laughs> And then the other thing is to actually really trust the people that are there with you because I learned a lot from my actors. They learned a lot from me. But I felt like after the film was finished, my actors were really the driving force for helping me keep going because it was their passion that kept pushing me to push everything else forward. And I had one great um, crew member that I absolutely adore. Um, he was my script supervisor. And he was on set with me for a majority of the days. He wasn't there for the whole time. But when he was there, if I had a vision, he was like, what are you talking about? This is what the director wants. Let's get it done. Mm -hmm. And so like, he was yes. like the echoing voice that I actually sometimes needed to like even make sure that I was achieving the vision that I originally wanted. And I will forever appreciate everything he did for me on set. But like the lesson to be learned is like care. Care, yes. <laughs> care is helpful. I stayed in Airbnbs with my actors, so I got to know them, so I could pull out some of the talent that we really wanted to see. I felt like being with them instead of being at a hotel away from them would really help them get to know me as I asked them for different material, and they would be more comfortable with me. And I wanted to make sure I was comfortable with my actors because they were the crew that I needed to really succeed with the art of the film. Yeah, that's really cool. So you really got to know your actors and the crew uh, personally to know what they're capable of, what their strengths are, and what, because I feel like we all need help, you know, and what areas do we need help in to achieve our goals? Wow, okay, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Going the extra mile, sometimes that's what we have to do. Um, but yes, Kiki, do you have any future projects coming? Oh, I, I really want to. Okay. <laughs> I originally wrote the Beyond Adversity film with the idea that I could do a Beyond Barriers and a Beyond Color film because I wanted to do like a trilogy, but it's an anthropology, anthropology trilogy. Sort of like how there was New Year's Eve and there was Valentine's Day, like something along those lines. Mm -hmm. um, I also have a few other projects that I've written that I just, you know, it takes money to make it. It so does. I'd rather just kind of keep promoting this one and see where it can go, because I don't think this journey for Beyond Diversity is over yet. No, it's definitely not. And I really do hope it, um, it helps a lot of people. Um, because again, like we were speaking, I think the world is going through, we all go through mental illness and some share it, some ch don't, some don't know how to handle those scenarios. And I think if we can um, teach ourselves or get knowledge on how to help ourselves, um, the world will become a better place um, from what, you know, I've, I've also experienced it. I can't lie. So, so yes. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think one of the best lessons from the film that even I take with me is that you can't do it alone all the time. No. Right? And Corona forced us to be alone for many people. If mm -hmm. they lived alone already and they couldn't leave their homes, depending on what state you were in, it was worse. Um, I really feel like the idea of at least sharing your thoughts, sharing your feelings and emotions with another person can at least help you get it off your chest so it doesn't manifest. It doesn't just, you know, build and build and then it can end up in something really negative for you. So sharing with others. I always had that group, at least because of where I went and my to family. Share. 
I was able to at least share and get things off my chest so I didn't just sit there and I wouldn't just think about it all the time. Yeah, and I always tell that to people, please don't hold it in um, because that's what that's when it becomes dangerous. Um, try to share it, not obviously with anybody, um, but the ones you feel more comfortable with. And, you know, luckily you had that luck to share that experience with whenever you feel that, to get it off your chest. Right. Um, and that it, I'm pretty sure it helps, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> it did. So, Yeah. Um, now, Kiki, where can our audience watch your film? It's currently on Amazon Prime. Okay. You just have to type in Beyond Adversity and it shows up. It's free to watch if you're a Prime member. Oh, okay. So Amazon. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's really, really cool. So um, that's basically all the questions we have here today, Kiki. I want to thank you so much. Um, I wanted to have you on the show because it's a, it's a movie that gives a message. And a message that's a positive message inspires the world. And I want to thank you so much to your actors, too. They were great. To your crew, to the makeup individuals, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, do you want to give a shout out to anybody before we leave the show? I would like to just give a shout out to all of my cast and crew once again. I think that the amazingness of what they created is all because of them. And if they didn't take the energy and the time and the sleepless nights that we had sometimes, (laughs) you know, we wouldn't have had the project we had. So I have to thank them. Yeah, hard work pays off. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, Before we leave the show, um, I also I had a loss on one of my cousins this uh, last week. If I got a little emotional, his name is Oliver Mateo. He passed away from a motorcycle accident. 29 years old. Rest in peace, cousin. Yesterday was your funeral. Um, But yes, um, thank you for everybody for watching. Subscribe to the channel. Make your comments below so we can have more great videos. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks.